Armstrong and Getty. This is SF Armstrong and Getty. I just want to tell you what happens when I get to work. I have to clean up the poop and the pee off of my doorstep. I have to clean up the syringes. I have to politely ask the people who I care for, I care for these people that are homeless, to move their tents out of the way of the door to my business. I have to fight off people that push their way into my shop that are homeless and on drugs because you won't arrest them for drug offenses. I have to apologize to my clients as to why they can't get into my door because there's somebody asleep there, because they're not getting the help they need. You want to make us a sanctuary state. You want to make it comfortable for everybody except for the people that work hard and have tried their hardest to get along in life, and now we have to change that because of your laws. Your liberal ideology is not working, and I don't know who you're trying to please. While you sit in your million-dollar home and you don't have to look at what we have to look at, there's hardworking people out there that have to deal with this on a daily basis. What are you going to do for us? If Liz, who is a business owner in Sacramento, California, were alone, that would be a a really interesting and troubling story. The fact is that Liz is one of dozens, hundreds, thousands of business owners in blue states and West Coast cities that are dealing with this, and, and their voices are just not being heard by those who govern us, or haven't been until fairly recently. A, a rare example of how social media can be a positive, in that you can you can get your information out there, and if you really strike a nerve, it can catch on, and you can get a tremendous amount of attention. You don't need the local CBS affiliate to come do your story anymore. Right. You can get it out there. I'll be darned. Uh, Liz, who is a Sacramento business owner, joins us now. Liz, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's really our pleasure because we're, as you've probably guessed already, really with you on the idea that hardworking people, taxpaying people, uh, reasonable law-abiding people should not have their cities descend into chaos and ugliness um, and in favor of, you know, bums and junkies. But we know you don't want to use your last name. Why is that? Uh, you know, I've had quite the influx of negativity on my social media. I had to go private. And, you know, I, I found out on social media that I'm a stripper actress who is part of the KKK. So I just would like to be here. <laughs> You're a stripper and an actress, you said? Yeah, someone apparently saw me at a, uh, I was in L.A., Oh, oh it was a fake video. Yeah. I see. You're acting, and and you're yeah. a clans woman as well. Okay. Yes. There you go. Jack, back to social media. So was there a particular moment that you just said, I'm fed up, and you decided to make this little video and put it out there? Yes. Okay. So, well, I've been dealing with this. Truthfully, it's 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 gone downhill in the past six months. That's yep. when I really noticed it. Describe it to us. What do you deal with? Um, feces on my doorstep, I'm saying at least once a week. I walked up last week, there was a cup of urine. Uh, they dump over the garbage cans. They've broken my windows. They've robbed me. They've kicked my door in. And, you know, my husband and I got together and collectively, we just said, we're done. It's You're done. So I made that decision Friday. And clearly in my video, I was upset. And I'm, I'm still upset. And oh, you, oh, and, oh, you were very reasonable. And so you turn your phone on yourself, I guess, and you do your little screed, and 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 it goes viral. Um, was there a particular tipping point, or was it just the cumulative stuff that you uh, mentioned? Um, actually, it was uh, a, a tent in front of my business. It was, and I and like I said, I have compassion for these people, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm trying to make a living. Nobody wants to come when they can't get into my business because there's a tent or there's syringes. You know? Right, and and your compassion is appreciated, although, you know, we're we're realists, if nothing else. And my point, I, I'm Joe talking, that's Jack over there. Um, 
my point has always been if you make it so easy for people to be, say, drug addicts or junkies or live on the street, I mean, because if you can live more or less for free and take in all the social services, you never have to go to work. You can lay around getting high all the time. I see the appeal of that. And I think as a society, we've, we've made it way too easy. What do you think? We've made it way too easy. And the governor is talking about having shooting galleries where people can shoot up safely. Great. So you'd have you even more people just out of their minds high wandering into your business and, and, and threatening your customers. That just sounds lovely. Yeah, actually, I had someone walk through my door, broad daylight, middle of the day, push his way in, tell me he was going to use my restroom. I said no. He pushed me out of the way, and I ended up grabbing my purse and getting out. And luckily, I worked next to a barber shop, and there's lots of men in there that could come help me. But and then you, <laughs> then that, I assume that was the last straw. I assume you then call the police, and then what happens? Or do you? I I always call the police, and the the thing is, is that they make a report, and there's there's not much else they can they can do, you know, especially with the drugs around the area, they they can't arrest them. So what do you what do the cops say to you, Liz? They say talk to your local officials, talk to the governor because we want to be able to do something and we can't do it. Yeah, boy, we've heard that plenty of times from plenty of cops in plenty of places. Look, we completely understand, but we're being absolutely our hands are tied by the city mm-hmm. council or the governor or the mayor or whatever. So the the yeah. negativity you're getting on your Twitter account or in social media is it seem to be from people that think you're being mean to uh, to point this out or what? Yes, I got the the feedback I got was that I'm sorry they've in- inconvenienced your happy little life, and I thought, yeah, what is yeah, right? I understand. That's a, your job. <laughs> yeah. So part of your screed was the same thing I said at a city council meeting last year. Was it? It would seem that you're prioritizing them over those of us who are law-abiding, tax-paying citizens. You've chosen them over yeah. us, is what it looks like. And th- and that's what you just said. And and if you point that out, there is a weird communist utopian crowd out there. Oh, you've yeah. got such a perfect life. Oh, sorry, we damaged your perfect life. Oh, I don't have a perfect life, and but I, I created this, and why do I have to give away chunks of it for that dude out there on the sidewalk? Why? What's the logic yeah. behind that? Well, you know, here's here's where I come from. I would like to say I am a recovering person myself. I, I've been sober for four years, and it's possible. And and I I got myself up by the bootstraps with the help of God. But but the, this is not the result. Letting people die on the street with their drug addictions is not loving them. Is not taking care of them. Is not helping them. And it's harming everybody else in the process. Boy, I would agree completely. Um, getting back to the theme of, you know, choosing somebody who just wants to live as a junkie rent-free versus a person like you, um, tell us about your business. How long did you take to get it started? What have you put into it? Um, I have had, I've owned a business for 15 years. I've had two different locations. One was on um, another street downtown, and I moved this one about 10 years ago. So I've been there 10 years. I loved my location. I put everything into my my you know my business. This is this is how I make a living. And granted, I have my clients. I'm a hairstylist. I can move somewhere else. I don't want to. I I loved where I was. So it's it's a huge inconvenience. And not to mention, you'll lose clients when you move locations because downtown is very central. It's easy for people to get to. It's just 
it's a huge inconvenience for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. And, and the guy who just wants to live rent-free uh, wins and, and you lose. So you, you are actually going to move your business? I'm going to move my business. I'm, I'm going to be there for now until I can find something, and then I'm going to – I still have a lease I'm going to have to pay because I'm going to do the right thing, you know? Right. So I'll have that lease and then wherever I go. So that's how bad it is. I'm willing to pay two places to get out of there. Well, and then whoever owns that building, they're going to have to uh, find a tenant who's willing to put up with that. So you're that they're being harmed also. Yeah. Yeah, it's a domino effect. Well, sure. if you haven't seen Liz's video, which is measured, intelligent, articulate, and not the least bit deserving of, of vitriol online, we have it at armstrongandgetty.com. Hey, Liz, uh, thanks for chatting with us, and, and well done. Way to speak your mind. I mean, that's a good for you, and sorry about the, the some of the crap you have to deal with, but that'll blow over. Literally crap, yeah. yeah. No problem. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks. That's the, the fabulous Liz. And that interview was a hundred times better than the one she did on Fox and Friends. <laughs> I was going to ask her to say that, but I'm just, I'm telling you. What was the need for that? I mean, what, where did that cruelty, cruelty, I facts. <laughs> that was truth. You can't handle the truth. Festering cruelty within you that just had to leap out of the what? end. That's an unfair diagnosis, sir. Skewering. Why are you crapping on the doorstep of my soul? <laughs> wow. Huh? Um... That's a difficult charge to respond to. This, this, you know, this story happens over and over and over, and it will, it will happen over time, and there'll be no coming back, and then, and then, and then there'll be the questions of why, why do people not live in here, here anymore? Why right. do businesses not open up here anymore? Right, exactly. The downtown has died. We need to revitalize it. Yeah, well, nobody wants to be there, and you know, it's funny. Just like you said, the utopian communist uh, fantasy land that a lot of these people live in. Civilization, law and order, is not easy. It's practically a miracle. It's unknown in huge swaths of the earth where death and pain and disease hold sway. And you have these places where it's been well established and it's very pleasant and, and reasonably safe and productive and prosperous to live in a place. And then people think that the things you have to do to preserve that are just too mean and we've got to get rid of them. Uh, I've, I've said this a hundred times. I I ought to get a tattoo that, and I'll probably say it a thousand more before they yank me off the air someday, inevitably. Um, discipline without compassion is uh, fascism. It's cruelty. But compassion without discipline is chaos. And civilizations crumble. You've got to have the right balance. And more and more people, uh, liberal, progressive people in progressive areas are realizing, oh, this doesn't work. This is unlivable. This is miserable. Something needs to change. And I hope the word spreads. You also have to be grown up enough to deal with there's, there, there might not, at least for now, be a, a perfect solution where somebody isn't hurt. I'm just saying you're going to have to choose law-abiding, tax-paying citizens over the drug addicts out on the street. Right. right. Well, where are they going to go? Somewhere where they don't impact the quality of life of honest people. That's as simple answer as I can give you. There are plenty of places like that, way out there or over there, just not somewhere they impact people's lives and standard of living. Or eventually, slowly, it's not going to be a mass wave that gets everybody's attention, but slowly over time, people are just going to kind of go away. 
Right. And your businesses will go away and the people will move out and it, and you're going to think, what happened? Well, and I would like to hear a vote of recovering addicts. Yeah, we got a text on that. Okay. Letting, letting people live in their addiction is not compassion. Right. I'd like to see a vote. If somebody were to make it effortless, effortless for you to continue your addiction, would that help you stop or hurt your effort to stop? I mean, the answer is self-evident for the love of God. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. As the tree was cut down and landed right onto a parked vehicle, totaling it. We're told that car belongs to a Marshall student. You can imagine how upset she had to be when she came outside and saw her car looking like this. Here's a little of what that witness had to say. It sounded like a beer can getting flattened. It just was crunch. It was, I hate to say it, it was kind of cool. You know, I mean, what guy, what, you know, doesn't like, you know, destruction. Yeah, you know, that's why we go to demolition derbies. But, hey, you know, bottom line, that's that poor girl's new car, and she can't get to school now. The newest entry in the Armstrong and Getty <laughs> Hall of Fame of Colorful Hicks. <laughs> but, hey, I think that's my favorite part of it. Yeah, <laughs> and I say that with great affection to the people of the American For South. Sure. Um. Yeah, a hick can be anywhere. <laughs> but hey, yeah, that girl can't get to school. You know, bottom line, that's that poor girl's new car, and she can't get to school now. <laughs> now, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'd now, hang out with that guy. I now, gotta. I hate to admit it, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> Why we go to destruction derbies? <laughs> now, he's no swarm of bees attacking the geo tracker guy, or. Rough talk to bear. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to reach the highest pantheon of colorful hicks, but he's strong. He's an all-star, but not a Hall of Famer. Give me me one more. Give me me just him. Do we have him? I hate to say it. It was kind of cool. You know, I mean, what guy, what, you know, doesn't like, you know, destruction. Yeah, you know, that's why we go to demolition derbies. But, hey. But, hey. But, hey. That girl can't go to school now. I want to hang with that guy. I really do. Oh, yeah. Sound like a beer can being crushed. Um, Atlanta is going to ban electric scooters at night. Lots of cities are trying to figure out how to deal with this. It's been a deadly summer for riders, they say. Uh-oh. Man, I saw a girl whizzing along the street on a scooter the other day, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feared for her, but that doesn't mean I'm going to tell her to get off. That's the difference between me and a lot of other people. She was a girl. She was an adult. In Atlanta, three have died since May. How many people have died in an auto wreck in Atlanta? It's one of the biggest uh, urban areas in the country with some of the worst traffic in the country. How many say, in my experience, you can't go fast enough to get in a wreck in Atlanta. The traffic's so terrible. But I'll bet you there's been a lot more than that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stop policing each other. As long as it's known, and it's known, that if you fall off this and crack your head, it's going to hurt bad and you might die, uh, just get out of each other's way. I don't... don't, it's if, if you don't have the uh, the mommy gene for the rest of humanity, it's hard to understand people who do. I guess. Yeah, I, it seems unsustainable for a variety of reasons. What's that? The having scooters and people flying around on them no. for well, a variety but, of reasons that I don't like. But it just seems like there's no way it can last. How about the leaving them everywhere thing? That doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people. It doesn't bother me. <sighs> 
It's a bad feng shui. It's like having clutter in your office. I, you have to step over the rest well, of it. Well, I've need, only seen these in towns have that have good feng shui. tremendous bum populations. You're bothered by a clean scooter parked over by that meter yes. as opposed to the the guy laying in his own feces over there. I'll, I'll take the scooter. Well, what do you mean as opposed to? I'm bothered by both of them. It's all about feng shui. <laughs> well, one's been going on for decades, and everybody seems to be okay with it. Now yeah. there's a scooter parked there, and it bothers you? The, the feng shui, whatever. <laughs> well, right. Doesn't bother me. No? No. I'm not bothered by any of it, really. Um, the scooter thing? Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not bothered a lot. I'm surprised it exists. I just didn't think you could do something like that in everybody's got to wear a helmet all the time, right. litigation America. Well, my solution as a uh, liberty lover is uh, spread the word. Hey, don't leave these in places that would uh, you know interfere with people's uh, getting to and fro. In they're, short, they're feng shui. They're starting to do more than that. I, there's a bunch of these different companies, and not all of them are, are in step, but some of them start to add a penalty if you don't, uh, an additional fee if you don't return it to a, an official docking station, things mm-hmm. like that. Quit being a uh, a-hole, as somebody once said to us. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Also, uh, I was uh, speaking of investing, I was hearing about, and this is my new thing to annoy people, uh, Uber stock. Uber and Lyft. <laughs> I think it's Uber. <laughs> I believe it's Uber. Uber and Lyft. Right, exactly. <laughs> No, somebody. I was just hearing that. Um, oh, that's awesome. Because they're now publicly traded, they got to sooner or later start making a profit, and so prices are going to go up, and you're not going to like the service quite as much. And I yeah. don't know if it's true, but uh, yeah, I've read a lot of those same things where the the price advantage that Uber and Lyft had over your traditional taxi cabs are probably going to start going away. Although different than the uh, Miracle Burger I just ate or whatever the it's impossible called. Burger, impossible Burger. Yeah. Um, impossible Burger is the same as a Whopper. I'll buy the Impossible Burger. Uber is the same as a... Uh, Uber's more expensive than a taxi. I'm still taking Uber. I mean, it would have to get a, a great deal more expensive. I mean, it, it, we all jumped on it because it was better and cheaper. And I don't care if it's more expensive. It's that much better. Right. Rating the drivers matters. Yeah. For instance. Oh, yeah. The car, the smell, the right. all kinds of different stuff. Right. So they could be more expensive than the alternative. Because they're a better product. Because they're yeah. a way better product. God, did I have a dizzy old bastard driving me the other day. <laughs> he made Joe Biden look like a 21-year-old genius. This guy was completely befuddled. He was terrible. And I looked at his ratings like 4.85. So suddenly I'm feeling guilty because I want to give him a low rating. And he's... You must have caught him on a bad day. How many rides did he give him? Quite a few. Like thousands? Yeah, but this guy... Well, he's given thousands of rides. He's 4.85. Well, not thousands. It was many dozens. Only... Well, that's... That, you're brand new Low if it's many dozens. maybe. Because the last couple of Uber rides I've taken, just for instance, they, they all had thousands. Thousands. Many thousands. Of of people they've delivered. Yeah. You ever see the guys that I'm are... I'm actually going to check it out. Let me open my Uber app. So a guy who's got almost a 4.9, if yeah. he's given thousands of rides, you caught him on a day when his medication was off or something like that. Well, here, was, here right? was my favorite thing he did, and he did it twice. So we're in this crowded, this busy gas station where he picks me up. Um, I've been turning tricks there. But anyway, so um, he picks me up at this gas station. And and he like Joe gets rides to and from gas stations. Yeah. Ah, That's it? its own it's interesting ironic. story. It's ironic. Yeah. It's a little weird. <laughs> well, I'm afraid to drive a car with a full tank. I'm afraid it might explode, so I, <laughs> I haven't tow it home. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out this guy. Um, can I learn more about him? Four point eight seven. He's been doing it for nine months. 
He's pretty new. Does it have how many rides? Uh, he's got 35 compliments for excellent service. 505 star trips he's had. So there you go. Anyway, my favorite thing is, um, he, and he did this twice. He, like, turned around in the gas station to go out on the street we needed to go to, but he ended up on the far left of the entrance. And somebody came to pull in, and they looked at him, and he looked at them. He's like, what? What? And he wouldn't move. He wouldn't move to the right. And so they couldn't come in. And then at some point he pulls out, and he's in the totally wrong lane, and somebody wants to come the other way, and he just stares at him. He's in the wrong friggin' lane. Get out of the lane. You're going the wrong way. But he's not backing down. That's the sort of backbone we need more of yes, in this country. Yeah, yeah, right. Give him six stars. <laughs> well, that was the sort of uh, spirit that won World War One, which he fought in. Did you say anything to him? Like, no. I, I think it, the reason they're giving you that look is you're in the left lane, and this isn't England. Yeah, the reason they're they're looking at you funny, and why are you yelling at them, is you're going the wrong way. Jeez, Louise! And then, but you're worried about your rating. You know where I right. You know where I was, yeah. and and it, it, all you had to do is go out and then then like hook a left, and so then you could immediately take a left and get on the freeway. But this guy looks at his app. All right, and he turns right and he goes. Honest to God, a mile and a half. Oh, you're kidding me! And there's a like a, a, a cul-de-sac at the very end of the street. There are a hundred parking lots. There are you know five streets, whatever, where he could have just quick turned. But no, he goes all the way that's, to the end. That's one at of the... twenty-five miles per hour, and then all the way back, so we can turn left where we started. Right. That's one of the things I hate about the whole uh, GPS thing is people don't pay any attention to what they're doing. Yeah. And so they're the slaves to the GPS. You just got off right over there. It's Blue. right there. Look with your eyes. How do you think you should get there? Blue line says go right. Can you not figure <laughs> out with your own eyeballs how you should get there? I right. think you can. Right. It's really simple. Oy. So, but I feel this guilt. He's got the 4.87. He's an old guy. Do so you think people are giving him five stars just because he's old? Listen to me. Listen to me. Does he help beat back the Nazis? The, <laughs> the great iconoclast, <laughs> the individualist, the libertarian. I'm afraid to tell the truth because other people are saying something else. Listen to me. I'm a coward. I'm spineless. He, You must have caught him on a bad day or something. He wouldn't have all those five-star reviews if he acted like that for other people. Or maybe everybody's more cowardly than I am. Maybe the one. He is not five stars. <laughs> He's not four. <laughs> What's your personal rating? It's very high, very high, and with me, it's legitimate. Oh, okay. <laughs> You guys ever get into one of the Ubers where they treat it like it's a it's oh, like please. the bathroom attendant, right? They got bottled waters in there for oh, you, yeah, breath yeah, mints, yeah. you need some cologne, and there's Love a that. foosball table back there to get bored. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm a 4.89, Jack. I don't think I'm that high. That's pretty good. I'm, I'm very courteous. I haven't done near as many rides as you, though. Uh, I don't even know how many rides I've had. Let me click on my name. Oh, there's my credit card number. Anybody want it? Yeah, I introduced my wife to the whole Uber thing when we went to... Uh, Legoland, she'd never been in an Uber, and the whole family went, and we got the SUV, and yeah, they had the water, and it was really nice vehicles and everything. It was, it was pretty cool. Good experience. <laughs> I heard a stand-up once describe Uber, what, you mean hitchhiking with your phone? Yeah, <laughs> hitchhiking with your phone. Yeah, they got ratings, though, so you can you can count on them. I'm a 4.86, but I'm not as many rides. 4.87, I got you beat. Yeah. You're pretty Weak. Good. What were you, 4.89? Yeah. That's really good. Yes, I am. 
please. Two, two one hundred. I've had a couple. I want to talk to the guy who didn't give me a five. No, what, what do you want out of well, me? My, I know what mine are that drag mine down. I got a couple of you bad scream ones. scream at him for using the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing that? Doing what? <laughs> Why would you look at your GPS, dude? We're going right there. What do you think's the best way Be to get quiet, there? I'm driving. Wait two more cars and you can go right behind that guy. Or you can follow your GPS and go way down there, make right. a couple of laps. Right. Um, I know mine are, uh, my lower grades are a couple of times, and I have no idea how it even happened, where they said they couldn't find me. You lost control me. of your bowels. <laughs> I remember that. That was not your fault. They say they can't find me, and then they, they, they give me a low score. Right. Oh, I'm right, right here. What are you, you know, trying to text them or whatever, and then right. they just all of a sudden it says uh, ride canceled. Yeah. What? Yeah. I think sometimes I know. Well, I know this happens. This happened to me in Vegas. This that very system where they uh, they shut me down. And I think if they think, um, like I was just going, I was going like uh, three casinos down. I'm with my son. It's late at night. He's tired of walking. It's not very far. If he gets, if he's, if he sees an opportunity for a people that want to go to the airport, he's going to cancel my ride and take the people to the airport. It's a bigger dollar ride. Right. That's right. what happens. Oh my God! That reminds me of my worst cab story ever. And that's terrible. I'm in Chicago on business. Worse than the Russian guy who wanted to fight me in the street in San Francisco? That's your story. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, he wanted to literally stop the cab, open the doors, and fight you. He kept slamming on the brakes in the middle of the street and starting to open the door, just screaming at me. Because I asked him where he was from, because he had a really thick accent. So where are you from? What do you mean where I'm from? What the f*** do you mean where I'm from? In his thick Russian accent. Right. Where I'm from? I'm from America. Oh, I have an accent? I'm not from America? You son of a He hits the brakes. He starts opening his door. And and then then the light turns green and he starts to go again. Didn't you ask him, no, 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 where's your family from? Yes. Which he took as an even more grave insult. Oh, that's right. He said, what, do you want me to go dig up my family? You want me to go to a graveyard and dig up my family? Fuck you, guy! And he starts to break start on the door. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. Wow! I thought, and it's like two thirty uh, in the morning. This is leaving the bars night. Oh, and, and I thought I'm going to die out here in the middle of nowhere in the streets of San Francisco from a lunatic. Wow! <laughs> wow! That's cab drivers. That's one thing that'll keep me on Uber. I've not had anything within a mile of my worst cab experiences with Uber. Yeah. The worst Uber experience is like a great cab experience. Right. So there I am at this hotel, a fairly high-dollar hotel, and the cabs are lined up um, to whoever's next is next. And you don't know, am I going to the convention center? Do I need a a ride out to O'Hare, which is a nice fat fare? You know, but you're really hoping, give me a good fare, give me a good fare. And uh, I jump in the guy's cab, and I give him the address, and he got a funny look, and he pulls out. And I hadn't realized it. I hadn't mapped it or anything. It is literally... The building next door. Yeah. And he had to get out of line and, and had oh, to get back hurts. in line. Oh. And he oh. gave me the look of death. And so, unlike Jack, I punched myself in the face <laughs> because I realized I deserved it. And for that 100-foot ride, I laid a 10 on him. I gave him a $10 tip. Because it was such a dick move. Well, it wasn't a dick move. It was an idiot move. It was a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. I but... did that once. I did that in Key West, Florida. I was uh, I was drunk, but I was leaving my hotel to go to the airport to pick up my girlfriend who was flying in, and then we were going to come back in a cab together, and I call the cab. <laughs> he says, you want to go to the airport? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to go to the airport. Okay. And he drove, I'm guessing, seven feet. He was just trying to be funny because I was at the airport. The hotel was... 
At the airport. It's a tiny little airport. <laughs> Run to the airport. So he drives like seven feet. You're here. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh. I was inebriated. I've been in Key West all day long. What are you supposed to do? And you know what? That guy's been telling that story ever oh, since. Yeah. So you did him a favor. I think I gave him a 20 also. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I do, th- I do this all the time. <laughs> My feet hurt. I just I'm I didn't cool. want to. We're cool. I'm cool. There you go. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. We're on this topic. A lot of people should be on this topic. I think we talked to this guy when the book came out. It's He's the author of The Boy Crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Warren Farrell saying this. What I found is that in the prison population, in the ISIS population, in the mass shooter population, they all have in common a very high percentage, about 90% dad-deprived boys. And what happens when boys are dad-deprived is they don't have a male role model to channel their testosterone constructively. Um, and, so you don't, and, and, and the male role model tends, in, a, in addition to being just a male role model, uh, dads tend to be much tougher on boundary enforcement, and the boundary enforcement creates postponed gratification, which leads the boys to being able to be successful at school or successful in sports, to feel more proud of themselves, not ashamed of themselves, not withdrawing, not feeling like an outsider. Wow, how good is that? Well, it's absolutely fantastic, and I would love to dig deep into that whole question because it's there is so much emotional, illogical uh, rhetoric being thrown around. Um, the idea that to say that is to somehow attack the single moms of the world. And single moms have become this weird sort of godhead in America now, where every politician constantly is mentioning single moms and how important it is to blah, blah, blah. And, and that's fine. And, and some of y'all are better off without the man or it was an accident or whatever. To say that a pitcher really needs a catcher is not a judgment as to the pitcher's sincerity as a baseball player. How many households is it true for where you do have mom and dad or a man and a woman uh, where the dad tends to be what he just said, more of the boundary setter, the more of no, we're not going to get that than the mom is. That's just right. Every It's what I grew up with. It's what happens in our house and the people I know. Well, and anybody who would deny that the the, the vast majority of dads and moms conform to the following description is just. They haven't observed enough of life. Mom, frequently, when little boy, little girl falls down, skins knee, is about concern, comfort, healing, etc. And dads are often, you're going to be fine. Pick yourself up. You're fine. Don't worry about it. It's just a little scrape. And we need both of those things. We need the balance. Have since the dawn of man. And to deny that is politically correct nonsense. Which is not to say the single moms of the world or the single dads of the world aren't trying their damnedest and don't love their kids. But don't get into the stupid zero-sum argument. Right. Whether it's one or the other, that's just ridiculous. Right. To be pro-dad, you need not be anti-mom. Only an idiot would think that way. Why do I attack? Why do I lash out? We're talking about angry people lashing out and look at me. Probably because I really want a donut and I'm not going to have one. His stat. Can you play the first part of that again? Because the stat is so good. Same approach at Google. That's uh, Ted Cruz. Lion's head, L-Y-N apostrophe. 
what, what I found is that in the prison population, in the ISIS population, in the mass shooter population, they all have in common a very high percentage, about 90% dad-deprived boys. Okay, so there you go. ISIS, people in prison, and your mass shooters, 90% dad-deprived. That's an overwhelming, that's not just the majority of, or tends to lean that way. Sure. No, that's practically everybody. Right. Wow. And, and as we learned the other day, the, the four commonalities uh, that are virtually 100% among these mass murderers, uh, my prefer, preferred term is that, um, uh, is that they experience trauma, violence, abuse, uh, neglect, uh, bullying, that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of that you know, comes from fatherlessness or if you've got a father who's a monster. Um, same thing. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Which, again, uh, and it's, you know, one of the challenges of doing this radio show is that we're not doing a six-hour-long podcast. Um, there's There are nuances. There are, there's tangents and tangents on those tangents that I think are pretty important to talk about, but we just don't have time. So spare us the angry email. Are you guys saying? We just, we don't have time to get to all of it. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, my husband was abusive and blah, blah, blah. You think I should have stuck with him? That sort of thing. I'm just saving you the, the time it would take to write it and send it. We're not talking about that. But anyway, we got this absolutely fabulous note. It's um, it's related. It's from um, Rose, um, who's an English teacher, high school and English teacher. I'm talking about um, disconnected, angry, purposeless uh, young men. As a high school inner-city English teacher, for 30-plus years, I found what worked for me for angry, turned-off, and sullen young men. And this, oh my God, this is so out of uh, Jordan Peterson and his book, 12 Rules for Croquet? Success, life, Ah, life, not croquet. Anyway, this is so out of that. Um, What worked for me with the turned-off, angry, sullen young men, I would put them in a position of power. She says power. I would use the word responsibility. The first day or two, I would tell them my plan. If we have an actual real-life lockdown or crisis, I would tell the males how they need to help me. Um, Take uh, the, the females to the back of the room, how they would be my backup if there would be, say, an active shooter. These young men for the last 20 years since Columbine would listen intently and take their stance to heart during school practice drills, as I would describe how they needed to lift my heavy desk and barricade the door and also be my backup. Someone came through the door and would jump on them. They would be my backup to take the gun away. Besides a serious life and death scenario, I would choose these disconnected young men to take my attendance down to the office. After my lesson, I would choose another young man to check my teacher box and bring me back my mail. I would share a private joke with them when they accomplished their task. Tardies, I would have another one or others uh, document, take down the tardies, etc. Empower and recognize the yearnings for recognition. That's what I used. Any behavior problems, male or female, one has to recognize the problem, own it, and figure out what the student needs. Then keep your classroom open during lunch and talk to the students at lunchtime as if they were equals and pose special issues or problems and how to fix them. I would tell all my students how I couldn't believe I was being paid to be with them. Their smiles and their enthusiasm would make the hardest heart soft. Oh, my God. What a gift to humanity. Yeah. Rose, congrats. Don't get a big head or anything, but God bless you. That's beautiful. I'm surprised you get away with that. Um, I mean, can you do that in a modern public school? Say the guys are going to set the desk up here. Somebody sues, implying that women aren't strong, Title IX, whatever the hell. And right, exactly. Yeah, that's demeaning to the girls in the class. 
Uh, that's amazing, and it, it just repeats something we've observed over and over and over again. A, a friend was just telling me about uh, a documentary he'd seen about yet another miserable, failing inner-city school that was taken over by a dynamic, demanding uh, black woman, and it was a heavily black neighborhood, who said, yeah, nobody's failing around here. I know you can succeed. You're going to succeed. And by God, the kids succeeded. No, it's not as simple as that. They have to be given the tools. They have to be encouraged. They, you know, there's, there's you know, counseling involved. But it's about high expectations, not about demeaning people and telling them, and this is the most insidious message in American politics in the last century, you can't succeed. You cannot succeed because of your color or where you were born or your religion or whatever. No way. You need me as a politician to save you because you cannot succeed. That is a poisonous, slanderous, horrific message. And if I could stamp it out, I would. There's no doubt about it that the the whole mass shooting thing is uh, primarily a young man thing. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. 